It's a good thing this is a bonus episode because I feel weird introducing everyone to bad movies and beer when this is actually like not a bad movie. <laughs> um, that's your opinion. This is the first ever episode of good movies and beer. Says Cooper. I mean, you have such a hard on for Arnold. Nothing could be a bad movie that he makes. Listen, I will go to my grave saying this. The man is, he's not a good actor, but he is a great entertainer. Are we going to do a bad, well, we've already done a bad movie that stars Arnold, I guess. What other bad movies are we going to be doing that star Arnold this upcoming season? I mean, it's impossible to say. Our second season is still so far in the foreground here. <laughs> but there are rumors of... uh the Batman movie where he plays Mr. Freeze. Ooh, Batman and Robin, that was a stinker. That's, yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty bad. Uh, Amazingly, the addition of Alicia Silverstone to the cast did not push that one over the top, <laughs> which is surprising. because uh, The directors were clueless. She's a, oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good first use. There we go. Yes, uh, welcome uh, to Bad Movies and Beer, kind of, this week. It's a special bonus episode. I'm woo. Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And not only are we recording this bonus episode for you, for you all, but we're also trying out our new soundboard. Yes, we have a new mixer. Yes, we are trying to move into the, what, 21st plus 10th century. Yeah, we're trying to become a little more professional, you know. Uh, some of our first season episodes, though enjoyable for us, eh, perhaps not the most uh, polished <laughs> production out there. So We're going to blame some of that on a forced pandemic, but, uh, you know. Also, just the amount of alcohol that we have consumed in several of these episodes. Uh, I mean, we're not going to stop that, so. <laughs> no, that's true. Absolutely not. <laughs> Especially now, starting in this episode. <laughs> well, no, that's it. We've got we've got a, a hefty beer choice for this episode, but no, uh, th- well, this is our bonus episode. And we are talking about the original Total Recall today, which I maintain not a bad movie, but we found out in the course of recording the remake that you had never seen the original, which is fucking crazy. So I had seen the Colin Farrell version multiple times, but never seen Schwarzenegger, which outraged you. Um, Because it's ridiculous. Now, to be clear, we did receive a single dissenting voice because we shit all over the remake in our episode about the remake (laughs) and about how it was so inferior to the original. But uh, believe it or not, one of our Instagram followers, Andy underscore whatever, she believes the Colin Farrell remake is superior to the Arnold Schwarzenegger masterpiece that you and I have just watched. (laughs) And what happens if I believe that? That's I can't even believe it. No, I, I know Andrea. I like Andrea very much. I cannot believe this take of hers. I just like it's it's crazy. It's to impossible me. to you that the Colin Farrell version is better than the original. Yes. And <laughs> is this is this sort of like a sentiment? Is this the superiority of Arnold over Colin Farrell? What we're going to get into all of this. We're going to cover all of this in the style and direction that we usually do. And as always, we're enjoying a delicious beer with this. I mean, I hope it's delicious. It certainly sounds delicious. What are we drinking today from these magnum-sized 750-milliliter bottles? Yeah, I love that we each have one of these. We're not going to split one. We're just going to do it. Um, We're drinking False Memory, an organic American Saison by the Halcyon Barrel House. Perfect, right? False Memory. I mean, you know, occasionally, some of them are stretches. Some of our our, uh, movie beer connections are weak. I mean, when we had the Sheriff for Human Tornado, that was uh, I felt awful about that. That was was a rough one. But this one's strong. This is a strong connection. this, This is a home run. Um, and I'm really, really excited. So Halcyon Barrel House is sort of a side project for the people at Bo's Brewery. We enjoyed one of their beers uh, for Night of the Demon. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Night Marzen, I think it was. That's the one. Yep. yep. So that was really good. Um, I'm a big fan of Bo's Brewery, uh, a very large craft brewery, one that sort of 
um, incorporates their employees into the structure of the business. I think that's really cool. They're all kind of stakeholders in it. Um, they've been sort of supporting the craft beer movement in Canada. And the Halcyon Barrel House is kind of a small batch section of the brewery where they focus on sort of modern flavors but traditional styles of brewing. So lots of wild yeast uh, kind of things. They use lots of barrel aging and bottle aging. So I'm really excited to try this out. Well, let's not wait a second longer. Let's just get into this and see what we've got here. So I had really avoided this movie, I think, for a very ridiculous reason. The very worst video game I've ever played in my entire life was Total Recall for the Nintendo Entertainment System. NES, the old fucking 8-bit, uh, yeah. The original. And my parents bought me that. I remember, actually, I think I had a paper route, and I earned money, and with the help of my parents, purchased my own video game system. And I got Mario, which was, of course, fucking amazing. And then the very next game I purchased was Total Recall. It's <laughs> not a good number two. It was awful. And because of that, I was soured on the franchise. I think that's what part of why I resisted ever watching the movie. And it's hilarious. The only video game that rivaled the horribleness of this was actually... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the first uh, one. That was really fucking hard. It's really and hard. And I understand that. I was actually... Friday the 13th. It's amazing how many movies got turned into really difficult, shitty NES Really games. shitty, bad NES games. And it's weird how that transition... I don't think that happens very often anymore. I don't think they kind of have that same crossover. Welcome to Video Games and Beer. I'm Cooper. <laughs> and we're fucking oh, I would love that. Let's do an episode on video games one day. No, but, that's uh, crazy. Today. Let's right. talk about Total Recall. We open with a Mars landscape. Because one of the key differences between this movie and the remake... This one takes place mostly on Mars. What? You mean that it's not on Earth and that we don't have a colony and we don't have a hole through the center of the Earth where they transition and flip over and do all kinds of crazy shit? Yeah, it's not about the struggle between England and Australia. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, we got a man and a woman. They're walking and they're looking at some of the scenery, holding hands. The man is Arnold Schwarzenegger. The woman is a dusky-haired Latina. <laughs> Why are you describing her racial profile? I, see, I'm trying to make people picture her. She's got, you know, curly she's, hair. She's brunette. She's sultry. She's sleazy, as we hear skin. later in the... Uh, but also demure. Demure and sleazy. Suddenly, Arnold slips and crashes down. He falls kind of on a cliff and crashes down in the landscape. When he does, he cracks open his helmet and his face begins getting sucked out because of the change of pressure. I really enjoyed the sort of Arnold orgasm face into explodey face. <laughs> <laughs> we get the transition from him coming to him uh, coming apart, it seems. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, um, he explodes. I, I thought the makeup work was actually quite fun in this section. Yeah, whatever they did here with this, like, it was like, like claymation almost, but like, the yes. eyes bulging out and like the tongue, getting, like, his whole head's kind of expanding. That's really cool. We see that again later, of course. Props to whoever did that makeup work, for sure. Great stuff, man. 1990, not bad. Not bad effects for 1990. I can't believe this was in 1990. It, and watching it made me think about how much we changed over the 90s. Oh, God. Well, yeah. I mean, the movies by the end of the 90s, the effects were just so much better. They come such a long way with technologies and like computer graphics that really is the world of difference between 1990 and 1999. This is really an 80s movie is, is what we're saying. Well, yeah. I mean, it's filmed in the 80s, right? It was like yeah. released in 1990. Uh, either way, he wakes up. It was all a dream. He's there with his wife, played by Sharon Stone, who tells him everything's okay. But then ask questions if it was the same dream he's had before, set on Mars. And he, she also asked him if she was there, the brunette. Yeah, she's, she's a little bit upset that he's having some dreams about uh, a woman that's not her. 
Very quickly, I'm thrown back into the second movie, the one that I have seen, but not the original, where I'm like, wait a minute. Is this actually his wife, um, and is this a stranger f***ing him for a job? Yes, basically, that's the answer. <laughs> yeah, spoiler. Sharon Stone is that person. Uh, I, but now it, she's playing the role well, though. She is selling this. She is really good in this role. I actually struggled to recognize her here. She's, I just recognize I don't know why. It was exactly like I don't Sharon know. Stone I just like. recognize her more from some later movies, right? I, I connected to her in Catwoman. Like, I knew it was her. And oh, that, was, that was older Sharon Stone. I know, but I have I've never seen... Um, Peak Sharon Stone until you've seen this movie. Yeah, I've never seen Peak Sharon Stone. I've never seen Basic, Basic Instinct. Instinct. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I don't I don't know her from that. Right? I think it's around the same time as this, but like yeah. this is... Yeah, this is... She's really at the apex of her... Uh, uh, well, you know what? Never mind. Of her career, even though it shouldn't have been because she's discriminated yeah. based on her looks. I know that was a, uh, we had that conversation in Catwoman, right? right. Where <laughs> you clean that up nicely. I was <laughs> about to just go yeah. a whole different direction with it. Well, we had, we had that conversation in Catwoman where we know that Sharon Stone has spoken out about being discriminated against because of age and looks in Hollywood. Yeah. And well, and it's not just Sharon Stone to be clear. Oh, so no, many, no, no, so no. many actresses. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's different or interesting looking back at the movies where, they would have been in you. You said in their prime, right? But um, well, I, <laughs> I, know, I know that's not yeah. to throw shade at you, but that's to no. You can throw some shade at me. I was saying it in like a, a filthy way. Like to be yes. clear, I'm like her prime in terms of me wanting to nail her. This is around that time. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, which is I'm sure not how she wants to be judged as an no, actress. No, no, she definitely shouldn't be judged as an actress based on that. But yes, but yeah, as I say, she's playing this really well. Like she seems very jealous about this. Um, Schwarzenegger tries to calm her down by telling her. She knows that she's the girl of his dreams. And uh, they bang. Give you something to dream about. Well, they don't show anything, so they're they're keeping it PG. What was the rating on this movie? PG-13? I have no fucking idea. I hate when you ask me these questions. There's, there's, I don't know. Yeah, sorry. I haven't done the research. Aren't you the research movie God master? I don't know. Come on, man. Um, you looked up Halcyon Barrel House five minutes ago. Ha- Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> how ridiculous. Many, uh, how many times have you seen this movie? I mean, they kept the... Easily nudity, 10. They kept the nudity to a minimum, so I feel no. like they had to be trying to keep the ratings down. In now, here's way. my theory on this. It's not about the ratings. They're trying to, uh, we build up later on to the triple boob. I feel like they didn't want to put two out there and get, you know, they want to really have this be like a big moment. Not only is it the first boobs you see in the movie, it's three of them at the same time. But wouldn't a triple boobing be a nice one up from a double boobing? I see what you're saying. Like yeah. give everyone a taste, wet their appetites, yeah, and yeah, then exactly. just throw it out, and out there, throw take, it, take it up and out there. Yeah, and they definitely throw the three boobs out a lot. Like we're going to talk about that. It comes up multiple times. <laughs> they, they come out multiple times? Yeah. Yeah. No, but I, I really think for this effect, like it makes it that much more special when we're like, 45 minutes in and you're you say to me when are we gonna see some tits in this movie <laughs> so you know i don't think a, i ever used the word tits but i i believe that i could have asked when the triple boob was coming because yeah. i knew it was it was on the way the next morning there's a, watching a news report there are some rebels and they are fighting the i guess he's like the chairman of the fucking i don't even know he's like a not like a president type figure, but he's in charge of some kind of company that so, controls the the flow of air and the mineral turbinium from which they make the air. I'm not really clear on that. Yeah, but. so it seems like there is a, a company on Mars that is headed by someone called Cohagen, and we definitely get some views of people in the news seeing the the they call them the mutants, the people who have been harmed by the rays of Mars. 
uh, fighting back against this company who is taking the turbidium, this sort of special mineral that pro provides air for other people. Yeah, and you know, as Schwarzenegger is watching this, he's just like transfixed, taking all this in. For some reason, he's getting this, he's being drawn to Mars. There's this kind of compulsion there. He really feels like he needs to get to Mars, and he sort of thinks that maybe he can find that in another way, or he can satisfy it in another way. He heads off to work, and on his way to work, he sees an ad for recall. Yeah, well, he walks through this x-ray machine, which is just, at the, again, <laughs> at the time, in the 90s, these were good effects, oh. man. He walks through x-rays, and everyone's walking through this x-ray machine. He's on the subway, sees the ad for recall. Later on, he asks one of his co-workers about it, uh, his co-worker Harry, or as he calls him, Harry. Harry. So it's hilarious that Arnold's job in this movie is to use a jackhammer in a pit. It's not even like he's trying to do anything else. He's just sitting there with a jackhammer, flexing his muscles. And holy shit, are his muscles huge. Yeah, you mentioned this when him and Sharon Stone were kind of tussling on the bed a little bit. He's, he's so fucking jacked. He's the biggest human I have ever seen, right? Like, his muscles are enormous. Have there been people who are bigger than Arnold? In terms of, like, movie stars? Like, actual name movie stars? No, not really. No he's always bigger than Stallone. Him. Yeah, he's, he's got, like, huge. a foot on Stallone. Stallone's a he's massive. Digit. Yes. A tiny little man. Yes. It, little person is the correct terminology. We'll cut all this out. My wife uh, watches a lot of Little People Big World. <laughs> what? Oh, that's like a TV show? Yeah. Okay. So we had him at work jackhammering. Right. Uh, his friend Harry tells him not to go to recall. We get that familiar line that we also heard in the remake about how he knew Harry knew a guy who went there and got lobotomized. Yeah, you're fucking brained. Don't, you fuck with, don't fuck with your brain, he says. But Schwarzenegger can't quite uh, shake this feeling. So we, next time we see him, he is going to recall. So this happens super fast in this movie. And that's what I love about this movie. Because in the remake, all the things that are happening in this movie, the big like pieces that happen in the remake also, in the remake, they happen like an hour and 20 minutes in. And in this, we're knocking them all out quick. Yeah, I was First 15, say, 20 minutes. It happens a lot faster in this movie. And Great. I, Good I, for pacing. <laughs> I I do think it's good. I think if I hadn't have seen the like remake, I might have been a little confused, but I guess not. It it's pretty clear. I do find that in this movie compared to the other, they spell it out for you a lot clearer. The 90s weren't about wasting time. No, it was about just getting to the action. When he gets to recall, he meets the secretary, Sweet Nails. Recept yes, she's she's able to change the color of her nails by just like tapping them with like a stylus. This was actually one of the coolest effects. It's pretty in the cool, movie. man. Yeah. yeah, I was like, this is really good. He also meets an incredibly sleazy salesman named Bob. Who he reminded me of Coach from the show Coach, <laughs> Craig T. Nelson. Yeah, and I don't know why I got a Craig T. Nelson vibe from I him. I don't know why either. Yeah. I don't see it at all. He was a little slicker than Craig T. It was almost like Craig T. mixed with Bill Paxton. Well, I was going to say, his sleaziness, Bill Paxton could have played this role to perfection. That would have been great. I, I would have loved to have seen Bill in this role. I think they chose a big man, though, because he seems to be approximate size in terms of height to Arnold. And I think yeah. they did that kind of on purpose. I thought it they, they made it so it would be easier to sell Arnold on that. If you took a small man and made him try to like sell this to Arnold, I don't know that it would work. Oh, you think way. Arnold would respect a taller person? I do. I think okay. in terms of the way they casted that, that yeah. role, I don't think he would have respected a little man. Bad news for the stars of Little People, Big World. He's <laughs> not going to respect them. Why? Because you just said he only respects tall people. Oh, my God. That's what you said. That's not what I said. No. I think in that moment, that's what their, their thinking was. I think Arnold respects other people. This sales pitch, what he comes out with, and I love this, this is a very logical train of thought, is he pushes the idea of maybe some extras for this vacation. He says to Schwarzenegger, he's like, what's the same thing about every trip you've ever been on? And the answer is you. You are the same. 
But what if you could change that? What if instead of being you, you know, Doug Quaid, jackhammer operator, rock breaker, maybe you're like a millionaire playboy, or maybe you're a famous athlete, or maybe a secret agent, and Schwarzenegger spots that one and picks it out of the list. He wants it. Secret agent. He's doing it. He's going to Mars. And they get in the team of scientists and technicians there. They're going to kind of, you know, implant these memories in his head, but they have to ask him some questions first to kind of improve the experience. And fucking, this is great. We get, she asked him the question, <laughs> how do you like your women? And they go through the categories. Oh my goodness. Brunette for hairstyle, like the lady in his dream. Athletic, like the lady in his dream. Mm-hmm. And then sleazy. <laughs> he says sleazy. She's, she's, sleazy. she's like, be honest. And he's like, sleazy. But then he also comes back to demure. He wants her to be sleazy and demure. And basically the technicians like uh, give him like a 17 and it's just the woman from his dream. Like the exact woman. It's pretty funny, right? And the woman who's doing all of this seems like she's a talk show host from the 80s. She looks like Sally Jesse Raphael. Yeah. That's what I said. She's exactly <laughs> like Sally Jesse Raphael. And yeah, everything's going kind of hilarious. It seems like they're setting up for him to have two weeks of memories of boning like a sleazy brunette athlete um, on Mars. I mean, that wouldn't be horrible, right? Like that's that's pretty good memory bank. Yeah, for sure. And now, this is all sounding great on paper, but we cut from there to kind of a scene where that same sleazy salesman is trying to sell another woman on one of these packages, and the technicians are frantically trying to get his attention. Eventually, his secretary has to, like, bang on the window. Schwarzenegger is freaking out. You blew my cover! <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, they said that it looks like another schizoid embolism, so something's gone wrong here medically. Uh, after some absolutely terrible acting between the receptionist and the salesman. Bob, what's wrong? Don't let her leave. We find out he's actually been to Mars because the guy's like, oh, it's, he's reacting badly to the implant. She's like, well, we haven't put the implant in yet. And he's just like, what? How? Yeah, they put him in a robot cab. A Johnny cab. <laughs> and this part made me laugh my ass yeah, off too. Your reaction to the Johnny cab oh. was pretty priceless. They shove him in this cab, and here we're getting some of the sci-fi elements of this movie. And it is an animatronic, an AI cab driver who just has some hilarious lines as Arnold is sort of waking up in there and wondering why he's there. They try to make him seem, like, pleasant and affable, but it kind of comes off as, like, a weird, like, 1950s kind of like, oh, hello there, friend. Like, you know, one of those things. <laughs> yeah, the cabbie comes off pretty funny. And it almost seems sarcastic because of the answers it gives to uh, Schwarzenegger as he's waking up. Well, later on we see this, but it requires you to be, like, maddeningly specific in order to like, make this work. So, yeah. kind of choppy. The cab eventually drops him off at home where he immediately bumps into his friend Harry from work. Harry wants to buy him a drink, but uh, Quaid says, no, there's no time. But then a bunch of guys grab him. Yeah, there's sort of these goons grab onto Arnold. This always gives me a problem in movies because Arnold is massive and could fucking smash any of these guys. Right, but it's like five on one, though. It was four on one, uh, and they the two guys are holding onto them, and they kind of wrestle him over to a corner where Harry pulls the gun on him, and we know this is going to go horribly for Harry. Oh, he fucks those guys up real quick. It's hilarious. He fucking karate chops one and murders him. <laughs> Their blood yeah. just spurts right out of his face as this karate chop slaps him in the head. He knocks the gun out of Harry's hand and proceeds to just fucking massacre the four guys. Yeah, so they're finished. He goes home to like, kind of collect himself. He turns off all the lights immediately, tells his wife what's going on. 
She tells him that this is all just crazy. It's in his head. We know this is a mistake. We've seen number two, right? Because all of us have watched the sequel first. That's not how most people do it. Yeah, so we know that his wife is going to try to fuck him over. Uh, he goes to wash the blood off his hands. Well, that's what he shows. Yeah, she says, you know, this is all a delusion. And he holds up his bloody hands and says, you think this is the delusion? And then he comes out, and who attacks him? Well, we don't know. There's a mysterious shooter. He's being shot at. He does an action hero dive and yells at his wife to get out. Get out of the house. Lordy, get out. Get out. <laughs> I actually like this. I like how they made her shadowy and how they waited until she like fired off a full clip at him and he grabbed her before he realized what was happening. I thought this was smart. When she knows the gig's up, she knows he's got her under control. He's too big. He's too strong. He's knocked the gun out of her head. She decides to kind of turn on her charm. Oh, yeah. She goes to seduce him. She tells him that he was the best assignment she ever had. Asks him if he wants to have one more kind of go around for old time's sake. And um, <laughs> she offers to let him tie her up to make yeah. sure that she can't fight him or get away. But it turns out that that is just sort of a stall tactic. Oh, here. it's all a stall Richter, who's the guy she called earlier under the pretenses of calling a doctor, shows up with uh, his main henchman and a couple other guys. Turns out he is very territorial about Sharon Stone because Richter and her are, I guess, dating. It's a weird thing. It'd be strange to be in an organization where you have to give your girlfriend up to go undercover and have sex with another man to prevent him from causing your corporation to lose business to mutants. That's a story as old as time. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's You get an interesting quote here, too, when... When Schwarzenegger realizes that Sharon Stone is trying to, uh, <laughs> like, slow him down, what does he say to her? He does the fucking Jurassic Park, clever girl. <laughs> yeah, which is hilarious. I didn't realize that line came from this movie. It feels like Jurassic Park was throwing homage to this movie when they threw that in there. I mean, I I can't speak to that, but it certainly chronologically makes sense. And that, to me, like, sure, why not? She's a little bit predatory, not like a velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> We're Sharon Stone. What do you mean? She does great in I mean, this. I know. She's great. And the character is in that way. But it was funny the way yeah. that was said. But yeah. No, it was interesting. He he realizes just in time and starts to flee from the henchman. Right? He gets out of there, but he's got a tracker in him. And so they can kind of figure out where he's going. He runs into the x-ray machine with a gun, which triggers <laughs> some alarms. This is great. <laughs> this is funny. The, the like guards at the x-ray machine run around to one side to try and arrest them. So we see their skeletons. We see his skeleton in the middle. Richter and his goons are coming this way. So Arnold runs and jumps through the screen of the x-ray machine, which is like, again, by today's standards, not a great effect. But for the 1990, not bad. It was a fun kind of technique. And, and in this chase, we're about to get to maybe the most hilarious like <laughs> action great. sequence in the movie. Yeah, man. So he's going up this escalator and for some reason the goons are above and below him. So he sees them and like they start shooting. They hit a guy in front of him. Now, I don't think Schwarzenegger pulls the guy in front of him first and he gets shot. I, I see the guy get shot and then Schwarzenegger starts using this dude as a human shield. This guy gets shot like 120 times. He gets shot so many times. <laughs> so there's about four henchmen at the top of the elevator and or the escalator, sorry, and he's moving up and it must be at least 10 shots that the dummy or the guy takes as, as Arnold's holding oh, I him. say more. I say more than that. Just at the top, and Arnold takes down the Forgus at the top, and then we get a spin around. He physically spins himself and this human <laughs> shield around. Yeah, Richter shoots him a couple times. And it take, the dummy takes more bullets. You just It's hilarious. I 
I have never seen a better use of a human shield in an action movie ever. Like, oh, it's this great. Is, this yeah. is the best use ever, and I laughed my ass off. It's great stuff. Oh, that guy just fucking eats it. Oh, my God. He's just human shielding that fucking guy. He's still eating it. He gets shot like 50 times. How did none of those bullets... Oh, my God. <laughs> He gets away. He gets away after this. How could he not? Richter is furious, maybe because a jacked-up Superman has been plowing his lady for the last six months. Um, <laughs> as as one of his henchmen <laughs> insinuates, which is amazing, too. You saying she likes it? No, I'm sure she hated every minute of it. <laughs> just fucking just giving it to him. Yeah, that poor, weak, bald guy, just his wife or his girlfriend got boned by Arnold over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Arnold's on the run now. He feels strangely drawn to the Ritz Hotel. Uh, he gets a room there and immediately gets a phone call by the uh, poor man's David Hasselhoff. <laughs> this guy is... Yeah, yeah, he definitely looked like a poor man's David Hasselhoff. And I was hoping he would throw in some Baywatch kind of lines, but he didn't. He did not. He does, however, tell Quaid about the tracer that's inside of his skull and also leaves a suitcase with more information uh, now, to get the suitcase, Schwarzenegger has gets in a tug of war with an old lady. So, the guy leaves the suitcase on the street, and Arnold comes out to go pick it up, and an old lady finds it moments before him. And we get this hilarious interaction where the old lady tries to sort of fight Arnold for the suitcase. Clearly, the old lady has no chance. Arnold tears it out of her hands. And the old lady, <laughs> she's like, fuck you, you asshole. <laughs> and it's amazing. So... Richard and his goons show up, so Schwarzenegger jumps in a Johnny Cab. This is a just a fucking great scene also because, oh, again, oh the goodness. Johnny Cab requires very specific instructions. So when Schwarzenegger is like, drive, it's like, I'm sorry, sir, you need to see the destination. So he is, <laughs> we get our first uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger feat of strength. Every movie he's in, he does some sort of thing. He just rips the fucking Johnny Cab, the machine, out of the cab and then just starts piloting it with a joystick. It's a good feat of strength. Nothing like the feat of strength we saw in the first season, right? In Commando? No, not even in Commando. Uh, the feat of strength we saw were mostly in our wonderful sort of sword. Oh, and board Conan, the, yes. the Destroyer. Yeah. yeah, it was just constant feats of strength in that movie, and I wish there were a little bit more in here, to be honest. Well, we get a couple. This is the first one. They're pretty good. He manages to actually ditch uh, Richter and his men. He ends up in kind of like a rundown. It looks like something like an apartment building or like a warehouse or something. It feels like a construction site. Yeah, yeah, it feels like an interesting construction site. Which would make sense. He's a construction worker. Maybe he knew about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, wait, I cut those dots there, No, You're stuff. welcome. He, <laughs> <laughs> he opens this briefcase that he got from the great value Hasselhoff and <laughs> finds a couple of things. There's a couple of gadgets in there. Also, a video recording from himself. And this is not an evil goateed version like in the remake. <laughs> we don't know he's evil yet. They aren't tipping their cards just yet. They didn't give it away because there was no goatee. Although he looked a little slick. Like he felt like there was something about him. You're right. He's that, a little yeah. polished. Yeah. yeah. Um, he explains a couple things to him. Gives him a little more backstory. It turns out he did used to work for Cohagen, But then he met a woman, fell in love, and realized that he was on the wrong side. That would be the uh, the dusky-haired sleazy lady from earlier, but also demure. And <laughs> he also tells him how to pull out the tracker. He has to feed, like, kind of a claw device up his nose, and he pulls out this, like, ping-pong ball-sized thing with a little flashing red light just in time, too, because Richter and those goons show up again. 
It's interesting. He feeds it to rats. He puts it inside of a chocolate bar, and then the rats eat it. Um, and then that works really well as a distraction for him to get away later. It's brilliant. Well, he needs to get his ass to Mars. That's what the video message says. So him putting it in the rat, like you mentioned, very smart. He goes to Mars in a disguise, and this is the famous scene where he's, and they replicate this in the remake, where he is wearing that kind of like fake head of like a uh, redhead woman. And unfortunately, the same thing that stops him in the remake stops him in this, which is... I guess you have to pre-program whatever you're going to say into this head so it'll say it. He does not account for the number of questions he'll be asked by the guard. Although, at least in the remake, the guard asked him like seven questions. <laughs> the one asked him two questions. Yeah. He's only got one saying. He didn't have any answer to the question, do you have any fruits or vegetables? <laughs> yeah, I'm like, dude, shake your head side to side, something. Uh, he, got, uh, he got the time. How long will you be here? Two weeks. Uh, but yeah, no, couldn't even muster a head shake. The head starts freaking out. Uh, this unfortunately happens at the exact same time that Richter and his goons are passing convenient. through. The, the, yeah, very convenient. Also convenient, Richter sees this and immediately deduces that it is Quaid. <laughs> I thought this was pretty funny, too, that he knew that this woman who was having a freakout was definitely Quaid. Uh, I thought that was good. Yeah. Uh, now, this fake head comes off. He throws it at some of the, like, cop guys that are there or whatever. And even though the head five seconds ago could not say yes or no, the head <laughs> that they're holding says, get ready for the big surprise or something like yeah. that. Oh, my goodness. And then it explodes, which fells, like, seven of these guards. It provides enough escape for him to get away. How can the head talk on its own if it couldn't it, it talk can't. when it, like... This is bullshit. We know this. Bullshit. Yeah, it's pretty hilarious, um, but it is definitely a glaring error in this movie. Unless it's just like a default setting where it's like if the if you if you throw the head, if you need to explode the head, self destruct, it'll it just say to, that. Yeah, I mean you're you're trying pretty hard to trying, to build up for this movie. This is a big reach. This is a pretty glaring error in this sort of writing. Hey, you know when I had to reach a lot more when I was trying to explain the fucking remake of Total Recall and all that horse <laughs> shit. That's a, that a lot more of a reach really? than that one. Is it? Yes. Good Lord. So after a quick scene where Arnold Schwarzenegger hears some rumors about the alien artifacts that may or may not have been found on Mars, Richter gets an ass chewing from Cohagen. Uh, turns out Cohagen doesn't want Quaid dead. And Richter's a little confused by this, but he says, I'm not paying you to think. And it's a good thing, too, because apparently Quato, the leader of the uh, resistance, is psychic and can read minds. We're getting all this mysterious background information. I mean, if I hadn't seen the second one three times, uh, <laughs> I wouldn't quite know what was happening here. I would sort of still be wondering. I'd hoping I'd be putting together some connections that there was some kind of double cross coming here, um, but it would be a, a hard thing to follow. So he gets to Mars and he knows that he has to go to a certain place, right? The Mars Hilton Hotel. Yeah. Where he finds out that he left something in the hotel safe when he goes to check in. <laughs> it's in what? It's, it's an ad for a strip club. Uh, I, I like think, a whore. I, I was going to say, I think strip clubs being generous. Yeah. I don't think these, I didn't see a lot of them stripping. I did see a lot of them whoring as we say in Canada. And uh, he gets a cab to head over there. Well, actually, more to be more accurate, a cab gets him. He walks out of the hotel, and uh, the driver, Benny, this delightful character, <laughs> he gives him the hard sell. I have five kids I need he's, to pay yeah, He's for. got five kids to feed, man. Yeah. Uh, he gives Quaid more backstory about the resistance and about the mutants and um, even walks him into the club. This guy really earns his tip. He's out there hustling. Arnold did pull out a big chunk of coin to give to him, and I think that earned him sort of the, you know, when you take a cab somewhere 
And if you give them a lot of money, they're going to stay for you even till you're at, you're finished at your destination. This is kind of what happens. In That's the true. Or like if you heavily tip a bartender and then they kind of like, they're going to come to you first. They're going to make you wait because they've already. Yeah. Yeah. It is right up that vein, I'd say. Uh, inside this sex club, he asks for Melina and it turns out it's the exact woman from his dreams and also recall. So he meets her and she just immediately grabs his she just grabs his dick. She's like, what do you... She says, she says to him, what have you been feeding this thing? And his response is, blondes. <laughs> this, is, this whole section where he goes into this body house, I'm going to call it, um, is interesting. Before yeah. he meets her, he even meets the infamous three-boobed woman. That's right. So we get our very first vision of breasts in this movie, and it's three of them. And wasn't that more exciting than if you'd seen Sharon Stone's breasts early in the movie? Uh, I'm not Didn't sure. it mean more? I'm not sure. Maybe. Uh, definitely. You turned to me five minutes before this happened, and you were like, Coop, if there's no t's in this movie soon, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> you said you said uh, Papa Noel needs some tatas. you said. I wish that that was true. And I was like, don't worry. They're coming. It clearly isn't. Um, what I thought was good, though, was that Melina sort of takes him back to have a conversation with him and very quickly kicks him out. She deduces that something's up with this fucking guy. Yeah, she basically tells him to fuck off. Now, we also missed a key exchange here where as she's taking him to the back, one of the mutants, Tony, who you affectionately referred to as Vagina Face. He did appear to have a into his face. Unlike the Predator in Predator 2, this guy's got a real face. <laughs> You're right. I can't believe that's coming that's back up. I can't believe we're, we're doing the throwback. This guy is clearly a mutant for movie sake, but they have very much made the scar or mutant on his face look like a vulva <laughs> you know what though a fucking great exchange here the line's great he tells uh quaid he says you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here hauser look who's talking because oh, he's got no. a vulva on his face oh, he's just God. prejudicing him I, I that is probably a little harsh on schwarzenegger's part well and you know what though but I, this was the first time where i was like that was kind of dickish and I'm like, maybe that's a sign that, like, he's not really who he says he is and, like, Hauser's actually a dick. You think it's turning here? Maybe a little bit. You yeah. know, stuff's starting to come back We're to starting him. to fight with those different personalities. Yeah, man. So he heads back to the hotel where he gets a visit from a mysterious doctor who tells him that this is all a dream and he's still in the chair at recall. So this is kind of like the, the Harry character in the remake is an amalgamation of Harry in this movie and this doctor who comes to kind of visit him. To sell this idea, he opens the door and brings in Quaid's wife. Sharon Stone is back. She looks very concerned. So this is interesting. This in the remake and in this movie are one of the more sort of creative ideas, I think, in this whole kind of concept or movie that connects to having memories implanted in your head, right? Like the idea that you are still in a memory that has been implanted in your head and that all of the experiences after you waking up from that memory transformation are false is a really interesting idea. And I think that this probably was a big part of the Philip K. Dick short story, right? Like I feel like this was sort of the kind of theme or idea that ran through it. And I really like this scene. I actually like the scene in the remake and I like it in this movie too. So this is why I actually, you meant you're mentioning the remake. This is a, this, it, they do this scene well in the remake kind of, but I like this one better. And here's why we get a tangible clue that tells him this guy is full of shit. Mm. The resolution to this scene, in my opinion, is a lot better because there is a giveaway. 
because Quaid calls bullshit on all this. Doctor says, no, really, it's true. Quaid pulls the gun on the doctor and basically says to him, well, if that's true, I can blow you right now. It's not going to matter at all. And the doctor tries to sell him on how that's not true because if he does that, he'll be a murderer in his own mind. He'll wake up and his psyche will like basically like disintegrate. And again, Schwarzenegger is kind of considering this, but as he's thinking about it, he sees like a nervous bead of sweat rolling down the doctor's head, which why would the doctor be nervous if he's just a projection in Quaid's mind? If his life wasn't really at stake, he would get that clue that kind of tips him off and Quaid sees this and immediately just blows a hole in the doctor. Just fucking kills him. Just sends him. Oh, yeah. And I'm like, that's a fucking great detective work. Well done, Quaid. The instincts are coming <laughs> back. The spy instincts. He knew that guy was full of shit. I love that there's a giveaway that really tells you this is fake. In the remake, he just fucking decides it's fake and shoots him. I'm pretty sure in the, the remake, though, there is a, like, there's an error in the conversation. So it's instead of it being a sweat bead that comes down on the head and shows that it isn't false there is actually a mistake that is made by the character and what they say and it kind of does the same thing i don't know i, I who can remember who? my job my job here is not to defend the remake no you're it, working for fucking andrea yeah uh, on with, instagram that's true. Who is andy, just like, andy yeah. and i have a bit of an agreement here she sent me messages before the podcast that's fucking horseshit <laughs> um anywho uh, this leads to another fight with Sharon Stone, who goes for yet another dick shot. She has kicked or punched him in the dick like 17 <laughs> times in this movie. I do have to appreciate that. I think she gives him two punches in the original scene where they fight. In this one, she hits him in the dick with a gun, like the butt end of a gun. She just really is roasting his balls. If she really enjoyed it the way that she said, why is she going after those so hard? Great question. Now, she's only able to do this because some goons have busted in and kind of subdued him. We've got, again, Kohagan has got so many guys in the payroll here. Now, as they're dragging him out they're clearly taking him back presumably to die luckily melina is there and she kills the goons and then we've got a cat fight <laughs> i wrote that down in my night notes too Did you? and i didn't you know whether there was a better way to describe it um but that is the only way i knew how to write it down yeah, right? they're going at it yeah. and this this happens in the remake too we get kate beckinsale and jessica beale fighting each other sharon stone gets the advantage makes sense she's a trained killer but schwarzenegger pulls a gun on her now this is a great fucking line in this movie she says to him sweetheart be reasonable after all we're married Consider that a divorce. <laughs> he shoots her right through it's the brain. Great, and a great line. Those, yeah. It's a great line. I hate to see her go. She's been great in this movie, but hot damn. What an exit There's line. a lot of good Arnold lines in this. Oh, there's so many. This is a great fucking movie by him. So they kind of escape the attack from Sharon Stone. And they get away from the henchmen's too, who are trying to track down Arnold. And where do Melina and Arnold head off to? Well, there's a bit of a chase scene here because, again, Richter's kind of after them. Luckily, Benny is there with his cab. Now we get like a car chase through a mine shaft, which ends when they smash into a building. I guess this mine shaft is just like a tunnel, like a throughway of some kind. Mm. Uh, anyway, they run and they get back to the club where Tony, the uh, mutant that Schwarzenegger zinged earlier, the opens, that's the one, opens a, opens a secret passage. Little pussy face with the exit ticket there. Uh, when, now, when, when Richter can't find them in the club, he tells his goons to kill them all. We get a big shootout here. Richter's main henchman eats it. He gets stabbed in the heart. We also see Triple Boob take it with a shot in the back. Oh, right? sad to see her go yeah. also. After it's, been the a, third, it's been a rough five minutes. She exposed herself for the third time and it ended. Well, you know, one for each boob. <laughs> <laughs> Who's the one who says they want to have a third hand? Benny. Oh, Benny. Yeah. Benny, Benny with the, he comes Benny in with comes the line. With yeah, hand, Benny's yeah. got it. Yeah. 
This gunfight all ends when Cohagen tells Richter to pull his men out of Sector G. He's clearly got some kind of plan here. Uh, and we see it very quickly. We see that Cohagen is shutting off the air to Sector G, mm-hmm. which is going to be a problem. Now, uh, Quaid, Molina, and Benny meet Quato, the leader of the resistance. Quato's like kind of guard shows up there. They take Molina and Quaid the rest of the way, but they don't want to bring Benny, but he's got a secret. And what is that secret? Benny's secret is that he is a mutant. He pulls off his hand and shows that he's got this like kind of cool three or four fingered different hand. And you're like, oh, that's interesting. Benny must kind of want to be a part of this resistance against the Cohagen Empire. Well, you naturally assume that any mutant is against Cohagen because Cohagen is essentially treating the mutants like shit. Now, for me... I loved how much you thought that Benny was like the key to this whole thing because later on we see the reactor with the alien handprint. Yeah. You assume that so that was for Benny's hand. They show great. they show Benny's hand and then they also show the reactor with like a fucking button that is in the shape of Benny's fucking no, hand. No, no, no. Benny's hand has like two big claw things. The reactor uh, is clearly made for a four-fingered thing, but you took this and ran I, with it. I like felt the whole like, movie. I you felt were like, like Benny's hand need, was the key to starting <laughs> off this <laughs> You reactor. were convinced, man. I definitely was. And was it? No, absolutely not. (laughs) (laughs) Soundboard. Oh, God damn it. That's good stuff. I hate that that's in reach of you and not me. So Benny's got it. Listen, his mutant hand thing is enough to get him in the room. And we find out here, this is the big reveal. Quato is attached to his kind of like main, his main man, his number one. He's like growing out of the dude's belly. You were like surprisingly unimpressed with this. I was kind of fucked up when we saw Quato for the you first time. You were like disturbed. It was, yeah, it was it, very dark. It is not what I think they wanted me to feel when I saw what Quato was. Quato seems just like a creepy baby puppet to me. Oh, listen, man. As a kid, I was grossed out by him, but I was still able to reconcile that with the fact that like he's the good guy trying to fight against the rich old white asshole who's like trying to steal air. Which is fair. I mean, I have no love loss for the corporation in Cohagen, but this fucking puppet thing is like grotesque. I he's was a mutant, man. Up. They can't all be like fun claw hands and vagina faces. Some of them are going to look gross. I, I agree. It kind of looks like that. Can't all be triple boobs and you know. <laughs> it looked like one of those creepy puppet things that we had as children that were like I don't know. They had like long arms and uh, funny You're heads. referring to, they weren't called goblins. They were called boglins. Yes, boglins. That's exactly what I right. <laughs> It reminded me straight up of a boglin. I felt like a boglin was growing out of the center of this human. And that's what they called the leader of this resistance. So I'm just realizing you never saw us as kids. So you never walked around with your boglin going, Quaid, start the reactor. Did you do that? <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Of course you would. I'd like I mean, put yeah. it under my shirt. I, you, what you do is you pull one hand, like one arm through your sleeve. <laughs> you tuck it down the torso. Then at some point you just kind of pull your shirt up and there it is. And you just quit. This is deep inside of you. It's just like Quato is deep inside of that dude's yeah, fucking torso. That's true. Um, Quato's going to get the truth out of Quaid's head. And he tells him to open his mind and the truth is in there. There's some kind of alien device, which is over half a million years old. They're snapped back to reality by a loud rumbling sound. And these kind of giant digger machines bust through the walls. They get in there. It's Cohagen, and he is here for Quato. They run, 
And Arnold Schwarzenegger is very concerned about Benny, the cab driver that he's known for about 10 minutes. He just keeps being like, <laughs> Benny, come on, Benny, oh, let's no, go. Benny, get with me. Uh, which I guess is nice. You know, he's, he's probably the best kind of fucking cab customer you can have. He's trying to keep you alive during all he, this shit. He tipped him a lot. He was worried about Benny's five children. Now this, as it turns out, is a bad move though, because as soon as they get alone, Benny kills Quato. You see, despite being a mutant, Benny works for Cohagen. Not only that, he doesn't even have any kids. He makes a comment about having to work for Cohagen to pay for his four kids. He slips up. And when he gets called on that inconsistency, of course, he owns up to being just an asshole. Yes, is that it? <laughs> yeah, he's just a fucking piece of shit. Benny, you piece of garbage. You're fucking murdering the other weird, <laughs> creepy puppet mutant just for your own sake. Actually, he didn't murder him. He murdered the holder of the mutant puppet. Yeah. Who, who comes in to kill the mutant puppet? Well, Cohagen shows up and he explains everything. He sent Quaid in under deep cover. Quaid doesn't believe it until he sees a message from himself. It's the kind of slicker looking Schwarzenegger from earlier. It turns out he's been evil this whole time. What a bummer. They go to wipe his brain. <laughs> well, what is, a man. bummer. It is. Where's the want wall sound? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're going to wipe his brain now and also Molina's to make her respectful and obedient the way a woman should be. Cohagen coming in with some misogyny right here. What a fucking piece of shit. He's a rich old white man. What do you expect, man? As they are leaving, Cohagen invites Schwarzenegger and Molina to a party at his place later on tonight. Richter says to Quaid, see you at the party. And boy, is that going to backfire on him. <laughs> I love how you set this up. Now, one thing that wasn't really foreshadowed, but that we should have seen coming, they strapped Craig in this chair. He's in trouble uh, until he realizes that he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and therefore, he is capable of insane feats of strength. And sure enough, he just rips through his metal restraints. This is the best fucking feat of strength in the movie. He rips out one of his arm guards. It has this long pole attached to it, and he swings it and fucking puts it through the neck of the scientists trying to restrain him. Oh my God, dude. He kills all the scientists. All of them. The best one is the one that he like impales through his skull with like a metal pole. Yeah, much the same way he pulled the tracker out of his head. He like jams a pickup there or something and it goes through the guy's like brain at the top of his skull. Jesus. It's it's graphic and impressive. And I ask myself, why is he brutally murdering these scientists? They're just scientists. I mean, sure, they work the for Cohagen. scientists Kohagen, are trying to wipe his memory and put him back to who he was before. All I'm saying is he wasn't murdering the henchmen this badly. He's a quick bullet for them. These guys, he's fucking mutilated. He didn't have a gun. He would have fucking gunned him if he had it. Fair enough. Those scientists deserve everything they got. <laughs> well, they, they get it. Yeah. And then he frees Melina, and it's time to start the reactor. But Richter's after them. And Benny corners them in a dead end and tries to kill them with some, well, that same kind of like giant drill machine, the digger from earlier. Uh, speaking of drills, Quaid uses one to kind of sever the fuel pump or some kind of like fluid transmission thing, which uh, KOs the machine. And then he uses the same drill to bore a hole through the door and into the cab. And as he does this, my God, I love it. This is, <laughs> it's not a good line, but yeah. the delivery's great. He yells, Benny, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> so... Benny's trying to murder them with the digger machine, and Arnold's got this handheld drill machine. You know he has experience holding the fucking jackhammer yeah, from before. He also it's has all the set strength up. It's and all size. Set up. It's all set up. But what is baffling is it takes a long time for this screw to come through the metal side of the digging machine. 
And Benny just sits there and accepts it through him rather than trying to get out of the way. Well, no, he's looking around. There's some smoke kind of in the cab from stuff overheating. He's looking. He can't figure out where the sound's coming from. And then he finds out, but it's too. He can't move anyway. It's a tiny cab. Where's he going to go? He had a ton of room to avoid being plunged to death with this fucking screw thing. I mean, the line was fun and it was hilarious. Benny, you fucking traitor mutant, deserved it. But it, it was a little like on the nose for me, I guess, in terms of a scene. But I, I did enjoy it. I laughed, of course. Well, the good news is, with him out of the way, they are now free to head to the reactor, which, get this, will make enough air for the whole planet. That's what they, it does. How did they fucking figure that out, by the way? Quaid knows. It's in his brain. Oh, he knew all along what the mission was That was, was the for? secret. Yeah, he said that it, oh. it, there's ice in the center. It, it like, melts the it ice. Melts the ice, ice and takes the, the oxygen. Yeah, yeah, and then it, it creates an atmosphere so everyone on the planet can breathe for free. They're not fucking relegated to this corporation. That's right. Now, unfortunately, they still have to deal with Richter. Uh, Richter finds them. He's brought some goons with him. A lot of goons. Luckily, Schwarzenegger manages to fool most of them with the holograph projector, which is also very, very enjoyable. And he ends up fighting with Richter on like a freight elevator. So I'm angry at this point in the movie because this Richter guy has lived way too long. I know he's number one goon for Cohagen. This is what you mentioned earlier. This is the discrepancy between physical impressiveness. Yes, this is, we've, we've had these conversations. We had it in Commando, right? Where he had to fight the fat Australian at the end. To be fair, this guy's like he's in better shape than Bennett. No, no, no. This guy oh, is. Oh, come on. Bennett had a beer gut. This guy is less intimidating than Bennett. For sure. He's wearing a suit. He's bald and small. And what does bald have to do with it? Why I don't you know. on bald people? I'm not sure. But he he, <laughs> he was a very unintimidating person. Richter did not deserve to be the final bad guy that Arnold fucking Well, he's not the fight. final bad guy. You're, he's not, but he's kind of the final fist fight. And this yes. kind of sucks for me. I wish Arnold had someone bigger and more intimidating to fight against at the end of this. I mean, he dispatches him pretty quickly. Richter ends up hanging off the side of the elevator as it's about to go up. And when it does, it like passes the floor and it severs his arms and my God, this is just the best. Schwarzenegger throws the arm stumps down the fucking shaft from whence they came and says, See you at the party, Richter. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> this was a amazing. good throwback to the That's Richter taunt shit. earlier. Richter yes. threw that taunt and Arnold brought it back after he fucking chopped off his arms. It is good. I do agree. Yeah, man. And now they've got one last obstacle. It's Cohagen. That's not going to be a problem. He's going to blow up the reactor because he, of course, does not want this thing set off. But he gets shot by Molina and Arnold Schwarzenegger grabs the bomb he was going to use to blow up this thing and just fucking throws it down some kind of shaft. And you were fucking laughing your ass off when this happened. (laughs) (laughs) The explosion check is amazing. I laughed my ass off. It was such bullshit. (laughs) Come on, man. Arnold grabs the bomb with one hand and chucks it maybe like 40 feet away from him into a tunnel. Yep. And it goes off and blows a hole in the fucking dome that is keeping them safe from Mars atmosphere. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, that's always what happens in sci-fi, right? This makes me furious. It happens a lot. When I see a fucking space thing blow out something and people start getting pulled out of the spaceship... They should all be dead. But that's what happened. But oh, they should all be fucking saying. dead. I see what this you're saying. Be, yeah. There should be death immediately. But they all, they, so Cohagen's there trying to hang on. And what happens? Well, he gets sucked out because he does not have the incredible grip strength of Arnold Schwarzenegger, who, in his next feat of strength, manages to not only get pulled out, he manages to pull himself closer to the machine. And then 
he places his hand into the alien handprint shape that would start the machine. He does it by just putting two of his fingers together. It was a straight to kind of, yeah. live long and prosper. It was exactly no, like No, 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 no. That's a three-pronged thing. This was a four-pronged thing. Okay. Now, the machine is on. But Schwarzenegger uses his last gasp of strength to start the machine. Now they've been sucked out onto the planet's surface, and we see the same kind of, like, eye-popping, head-swelling effects we saw in the dream from the beginning of the movie. And again, these are pretty good, man. Mm-hmm. So Cohagen gets ripped out first, and unfortunately the machine hasn't been started yet, and we see his sort of face and brain explode. Like oh, he, he looks bad, yeah. yeah he's, he's in a lot of trouble. Arnold and his lady friend, uh, the sort of sleazy lady we've talked about. But demure. Demure sleaze. (laughs) They're both holding on, but it's funny because we're getting an Arnold like O face slash explosion face. He's got the best face for this. So it's hard to tell what is real Arnold acting and what is the sort of claymation or makeup. That's why it's the perfect face. He already kind of looks like a cartoon character when he's like really emoting, like in the Total Recall scenes earlier with the fucking machine at Recall. But now it's like a perfect, you can't really tell. You said it's great. It's, It's really hard to tell. Luckily for Arnold and his lady friend, the machine that they started with Arnold's hand, not that they didn't use Benny hand, which they should have. They needed a fucking proper hand. Um, <laughs> but on. whatever. Um, it begins and it starts the process of launching oxygen into the air and actually creating an atmosphere. And they get saved just in time. They do big jets of air just bursting forth from the planet's surface. And it is creating an atmosphere, like you said. They end up okay. In fact, everything's going to be okay. But... As this movie ends, Quaid has a terrible thought. What if this really is all a dream? And Melina gets the last line in this movie. She says, Well, then kiss me quick before you wake up. That's a good fucking ending, man. They kiss we and the movie sunset ends and it goes off into a Mars sunset. Of, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. They did it. He fucking did it. Schwarzenegger it's the did 80s. It. Everything works out. It's 1990. But it's basically the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah, this is an 80s movie. And that's it, man. We're out. Schwarzenegger has saved the day yet again. No surprise there. And uh, now I am excited to hear your thoughts. We're going to rate the movie the way we normally do. We rate it on a scale of one to 10 twice, two times, once for how bad it is, once for how enjoyable it is. And the hope, the goal that we've only done two times ever is to find a movie that is 10 out of 10 bad, 10 out of 10 enjoyable, or as we call it, the Crit 20. Today only, we're actually going to modify this scale for you. We're going to oh, do a, We're going to do a Crit 30 today. Because <laughs> we are in addition to one out of 10 for how bad and one out of 10 for how enjoyable you are going to give me a one out of 10 for how much better this is than the fucking remake. <laughs> and I'm very oh intrigued to hear what you have to say about this. But so I'll now, go first. I'll I have first. three scores that I need to make up yeah. right now. Yeah, not right now. I'll go first. I'll give okay. you a time. All right. All right. Uh, how bad this movie is. Like I said at the start, this movie is not very bad. This movie was a giant box office hit at the time. Great effect. Schwarzenegger, just a classic Schwarzenegger movie, the one-liners. It's a little formulaic in its Arnoldness, but everyone was on board with that in 1990. In terms of how bad this movie is, I recognize some parts are ridiculous. I recognize the acting isn't great in some places. I recognize that by today's standards, some of the effects are laughable, but... Overall, I can't call this a bad movie. It accomplished everything it set out to accomplish in 1990. I'm giving it a 4 out of 10. Not bad enough to be on our (laughs) podcast, in my opinion. That's why it's a bonus episode. Nice. Now you tell me how bad, in your opinion. You're such a fucking homer. Stop it. Stop it. (laughs) Um... Arnold, of course, does a really good job. This is is a good Arnold performance. I'm not going to take anything away from that. It's interesting seeing their take based on uh, compared to the other one that I've seen three times in terms of how they deal with the story. 
there was some shit that bothered me in terms of decision making. I agree, nineteen for nineteen ninety, it was pretty good in terms of its sort of production value, but it also seems really bad now based on the improvements that have happened since 1990. Okay, quit jerking me around. Start the reactor. How bad is it? How, how bad do you think I would go here? What are you thinking? Six maximum. Six is exactly my number. Okay, there we go. I have a six bad written yep. down for this movie. Okay, and how enjoyable on a scale of one to ten? So that one's interesting. I, I don't remember what I gave the first one. This is more fun by a lot. Oh, of course it is. It is a much more fun movie than the remake of it. The remake for me is slightly grittier, it probably had me into the story better for the first like half an hour than this one did in terms of, <laughs> okay. in terms of where All it's right. going. I know this is trouble for you, um, but I enjoyed myself with this. I burst out laughing several times. There were some things I found hilarious, some things I found fun. I'm going to give this a nine enjoyable. And that's totally reasonable. And I expected, uh, I thought maybe you'd go as low as an eight, but I figured it wouldn't be any lower. Uh, you can probably guess my enjoyability. It's a 10 of for sure. Of course yeah, it is. For sure this for movie yeah. is so fucking fun. Yeah. This is a bright, colorful movie. It moves at a fast pace. It's fun. There's humor. There's none of that in the remake. The remake is this dull, drab, gray on beige. No one's making any <laughs> jokes. This is fucking fun. It's fast. It's hilarious. I love it. I, I love this movie. I will always love this movie. So yeah, it's a 10 for yeah, me. No great. doubt. No question. You that's, knew it. I knew it. Everyone yeah, knew it. That's not a hard score. I'm no. not going to disagree with that. I think nine is a high score for me. I haven't it's given a very it a high lot score. Yeah. The next rating is hard for me. So you you want me to rate it? I want to know on a so scale of one to 10, zero, how much better? If it's a zero, you mean it is, it is no better than the remake. The zero is equal good. to the remake. And how much better is, is this than okay. the remake? In terms of fun and enjoyability it is way lower right. than this one so how much better right to so watch to watch not as a movie per se but yes. how much better to watch in terms of just enjoyability this one compared to the other one i would say would be an eight eight better there you go so very i think reasonable. in terms of having a very enjoyable fun time this is an eight compared to the others if i were to purely try to like pick out which was more interesting as the brainwashing two different world double agent, it would be harder. But I think as an enjoyable movie, I'm going to give this a name. There you go. I'm glad to hear it. For so I thought we're going to have to fight for a second there. I was like, <laughs> this fucking you thought guy. Fist of gonna come I out was right brandishing here? this 750 milliliter bottle. Is it empty? Did you finish it? Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. Are you yeah. kidding me? I'm yeah. On, uh, yeah. Good. And, let's, and why not get to that? Really, really tasty. You can tell there's been a lot of time put into this. It says American Saison, and I don't really know the difference between American and Belgium. I think it was a Belgian style. It might have something to do with the yeast that they put into it uh, that might change the name. But uh, a really tart upfront flavor with sort of a gentler finish, um, but a lot of depth of flavor too, you can tell, because it was sort of in those barrels for some time. And then the bottle aging, we've had it for almost a calendar year probably, and I think that probably added something to it as well. Close, yeah. Um, and I got to say, like... I love sours, specifically fruited sours. You know me, I'm the fruited sour man. Mm -hmm. This had some great sour taste to it. It's a shade over 5%. Uh, nothing, you know, you can't handle, even in the large size bottle. But I thought it was really good. It kept me kind of sharp. Felt, kept me feeling refreshed during this episode. <laughs> it's and, uh, definitely, stuff. definitely refreshing. I think a lot of the saisons kind of have a taste of stone fruit, like kind of like plums and apricots and those kind of things in them, um, but not directly. Like there's no fruit directly added, but I feel like the yeast that they use... And then the barrels they ferment in kind of add a lot of those flavors to the sourness of them. And yeah, just delicious. I would be excited to see some of the other offerings by Halcyon Barrel House. And if you're ever out towards Van Leek or you have access to 
order their stuff from the Bose website, uh, definitely get a hold of their beers. They're delicious. Yeah, I would drink this again. I would obviously watch this movie again. It's one of my all-time favorites. And that is pretty much going to do it for our bonus episode of Bad Movies and Beer. We still have a few weeks till we come back strong for season two. We don't know what that first episode is going to be yet, though. We're going to have a little uh, little poll for our listeners. So if you have not already, please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the BMB Podcast. We're going to throw a poll up real soon on Instagram to see. We're going to let you choose our uh, season two premiere episode. Uh, what else can they do, Noel? If you uh, want to send us any suggestions, feel free to slide into the DMs on those. We have an email at thebnbpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. We hope you'll check us out again in about a month. I'm Cooper. And I'm Nolan. And we'll see you next time on Bad Movies and Beer. Keep it quady. They stole his mind. Now he wants it back.